Hi, and welcome to Everything Theatre's podcast, where we chat to the creatives involved in bringing you some of the amazing theatre we get to enjoy. Find out how exciting new shows come together and listen to the behind the scenes stories from directors, musicians, producers, and more. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. This week, I've got Roxy Cook. Roxy has a show called A Woman Walks Into a Bank, coming to Theatre 503 from the 21st of November. Uh, Roxy, lovely to meet you. Do you just want to give us a quick introduction to yourself and sort of a bit about your theatre backgrounds? Yeah, lovely to meet you, Rob. Uh, yeah, I'm Roxy. I'm the writer director of A Woman Walks Into a Bank. I worked as a director in theatre, predominantly in new writing, for about five, six years. And then the last few years, I've been working in TV on the other side of the table doing script editing and development for uh, TV fiction dramas, let's say, um, scripted content. And then this play, which I started writing a few years ago, has sort of pulled me back into theatre. So I'm right now doing both of the of TV, bit of TV, bit of theatre. And I suppose, yeah, writer, director, creator, quite liking blowing those lines and, and sort of just letting the project, following the project and what it needs for me, I suppose. Whatever comes next. How different is it working between TV and um, theatre then? It's a tricky one because I'm working on the other side of the table in TV. So I'm working with writers and telling their stories. And I think, to be honest, I think in the last few years, there's been a lot more fluidity in the industries. I think after COVID, theatre sort of had to learn from TV because that's what everyone was watching for and doing for, for several years. People weren't able to go to the theatre and vice versa. And I think you now have a lot of writers and, and other creatives who are just moving between the two. It feels like it's less separate. But I mean, the main difference, I suppose, is that in TV, the writer presents a sort of the script that they present is sort of a blueprint for the final show. It will then take years and years of collaborating with hundreds of people and it will ultimately change a lot. You know, the script that you begin with as a, as a TV writer is, is probably not going to be the script that you end up with. And that's one of the things that's lovely about it, but it's just a much longer, much more collaborative process. In theatre, and obviously I've been experiencing this over the last month, you know, it's a, it's a whirlwind month that we've been rehearsing this play and the text is sort of leading. And I think that's that's the main difference, I suppose. I mean, they're very, yeah, they're very different forms, very different industries, but those, I, yeah, I suppose that's sort of, in terms of mm. what leads, I suppose, in theatre, the, the text is leading and in, in TV it's mm. slightly different. It's sort of the premise or the, world and then a group of people will come together with you as a writer and sort of run with that it says something about the instantaneously instantaneously i think that's the word isn't it um of theater that makes it more appealing you know the fact like you say the fact that it's a whirlwind month and then it's on stage is it is it nice to see your work come to fruition much quicker i mean i think i think a lot of writers like working in theater for that reason i think it requires a lot less money and time in theater to make something and there's something also really wonderful about a company coming together and really all pitching in to go on this crazy journey. I think that's very, very special about theatre. Um, but in, in terms of the forms, like I love both of them. I think they're just very different. I think, I think in in theatre, you know, what you've got is what's so brilliant about the form is it's a space that a group of people has come into and we're all sort of suspending our disbelief and sort of all trying to figure out a problem together and that liveness and that theatricality is what I love and I think this play very much embraces that but equally you know some of my favorite pieces of art over the last 10 years have been tv shows and I think there's a lot of scope in tv in terms of what you can do uh, the stories you can tell the audiences you can reach and more recently you know really exciting 
sort of artistic experimentation and playing with form and yeah they both really excite me as forms but but they feel quite different and actually that's what's appealing in terms of moving between the two because they both have their pros and they both have their cons we are here to talk about your your show which is a woman walks into a bank so what can you tell? I mean, it's, it's a great title to start with. It's a really, it's a really punchy title. Um, what can you tell us about the play? Yeah. Um, okay. The play. It's a hard one to describe. So the play is. So I suppose it started with something that did happen to my grandmother, who does still live in Moscow, in Russia. And a few years ago, she walked into a bank. She she has dementia. She she had it then as well. She was confused. She sort of walked in thinking, okay, I'm going to take some money out. She was conned into taking out this uh, high interest loan, which is very common in Russia. A lot of people are in debt. It's sort of a way that a lot of people manage their finances on a daily basis. And because she had dementia, she left and she forgot all about it. And so that's a sort of a fairly commonplace, mundane event. But I sort of, I had felt for a long time that I'd wanted to tell a story about modern Russian society that sort of explored the things that we're all talking about right now, but sort of from the inside out through the eyes of these you know, working class, ordinary Russians. And so I thought that if I had started with that, that is a small event and then imagined, okay, what what, what about the guy, the young bank manager who conned her or the sort of the weary debt collector who harassed her? You know, what, what about them? Why did they do that? And if I can follow all of those characters, maybe I can sort of tap into something that's not being talked about. So that's that's sort of a brief overview of the play. But all to say, it sounds a little bit bleak, but actually it's 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 sort of a dark comedy quite theatrical storytelling and it sort of tries to deal with those quite big heavy themes with a lot of yeah energy and humor title does sound like a setup to a joke doesn't it it really has that sort you can imagine a sort of stand-up comic starting with that line was that your intention when you sort of named it no it wasn't my intention although i do recognize <laughs> that's true really what we see in the show is we see three characters actually four because the fourth character is a cat uh, the old woman's cat called sally um, and so we see four characters telling us their story. And so really that's why it starts the, the, the first line of the play and the first scene is a woman walks into a bank. And it is a storyteller who eventually sort of starts to embody the old woman who is telling her story, trying to understand her story, um, trying to justify her story. For her, it's all about the way that the dementia informs the storytelling. For the young man who cons her and the debt collector who harasses her, these two sort of slight villains, it's all about how they justify their actions. So it's all about how do I own my story through the telling of it, if that makes sense. And so that's why it's called a woman walks into a bank. And you, I mean, you mentioned this is obviously based on the start point was your grandmother in Russia. Have you got, is, is that, is your family fr originally from Russia then? Have you got Russian sort of, um, of, of Russia, Russia, have you got Russian in your blood, should we say? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm half Russian, so my mum's my mum's Russian. My parents met in Moscow in the eighties, um, and so yeah, a lot of my family lives in Moscow, Poland, in that area of the world, and yeah, I I until twenty twenty I would go there once a year. So yeah, very much. I think I think in a way, what's nice is I've got to step in and I've got to step out, and I think that's been quite useful in sort of creating this piece. I think I'm able to present things to a UK audience that they don't know about Russia that's really exciting but I'm not but I'm, I think I'm able to have a little bit of distance which specifically for Russia I suppose that you know with everything that's going on there is quite helpful. But how, how easy is it to write a story that's obviously started you know the start point is is as you say quite bleak quite quite you know horrific for your grandmother how easy was it to write about that? Well it's really a starting point so from the point that she takes out the loan everything else is sort of imaginary. I mean, the, I would say that the details, a lot of the details are real. So she did have a cat called Sally 
and lots of the things that I talk about in terms of building the world in Moscow are things that I have observed or experienced. But in terms of the story, like that's completely made up. And there's a sort of, the reason I call it a modern Russian fairy tale is because it's quite, I wouldn't say far-fetched, but there's a sort of, there is a sort of quite heightened dramatic quality to it that doesn't always need to feel real. And so I think that that sort of means of writing, it means that that wasn't too hard because I was never trying to replicate that story. And then also just in terms of the tone, like I think it's a very Russian thing to talk about something that's quite difficult or sad or dark with a lot of humor, like that that is how Russians would tell that story. And so it never felt I was like I was trying to brighten something up. It, it genuinely felt like that was the was the world that I was in, like the literary world of Russia, where you're you're, you're talking about something. Is it a comedy? Is it a tragedy? Who knows? Like it's it's just a Russian story. Is is there a very? I mean, it, it sounds like it's quite a lot of Russian sort of influence in this. Obviously, is is there a a Russian writing style? You know, is there a different style? To, you know, is there a different written style in Russia to what we'd have here? And if you tried to introduce that, I don't know if I'm. I can speak to that. I mean, I'm sure there is. I don't think I read enough modern Russian fiction to know the answer mm. to that. But I suppose <laughs> the way that I began to to write it, I knew the story, I knew, I knew what I wanted the story starting point to be, I knew roughly what I wanted the, start, the story to be. So the first thing I did was I workshopped Russian fairy tales, ones that I had been told growing up, sort of, you know, very, very ancient stories. And I did a workshop of that. And I tried to think about the way that those stories are told. So, you know, that might be, there's a repetition to them, or there's quite a cyclical nature to them, or it might just be in the sort of the dark, the darkness of them, to be honest that really informed the style of the piece. Um, so maybe that answers your question. And as far as the, the Russian fairy tales that you go into then, it's, are, they, are they ones we'd be familiar with? Are, are sort of fairy tales in Russia very similar to what we've got here? So, I mean, basically, because they all travel, don't they? I mean, a lot of our fairy tales come from um, Hans Christian Andersen, which obviously is Scandinavian. Are Russian fairy tales very similar? Or is there a, another sort of style there? But there definitely are crossovers. I would say that what I found is that the Russian versions always tend to be a little bit darker. <laughs> but I don't bring any of those up in the story. So there's no, there's no fairy tales as, as such in the show. It's purely that it's sort of a new fairy tale that I've written, a sort of okay. a new modern Russian fairy tale. And I've really sort of fed into the tropes, but I've not... So, for example, you know, a talking cat is a thing that comes up in Russian fairy tales. It comes up in Russian fiction, you know, Master and Margarita, like it's a big thing. So that arguably is, is from that world. But I'm not sure that an audience watching the show will be thinking about that, if that makes sense. It's just the genre that I've sort of chosen to yeah. myself in. And you've set this in 2018. Obviously, 2018, we had the World Cup in Russia. We, we were all loving Russia at that time, really, weren't we? It was very, there was a lot of positivity sort of towards Russia. And I assume inside Russia, there was a lot of positive sort of optimism. Obviously, from your point of view, obviously, and you say you've got a foot in both camps, so to speak. Um, how easy has it been to see the last five years of how that optimism has probably changed and become quite pessimist <laughs> well I think I would say I don't know if there was optimism at that point I think I think it was slightly more complicated than that I think that by that point Russia had already invaded Ukraine you know that had already begun we all knew that Putin was killing dissidents there wasn't freedom of speech I think that the world was aware at that point of those things and I think people in Russia were aware of those things I don't think any of the stuff that we're experiencing now is new. It's just a ramping up of it. I think the reason 2018 and then the second act of 2019 is interesting to me is because it was like there was a slight pause in that. 
uh, it felt like when the World Cup happens, a little bit like Qatar, like it, it was a sort of, okay, maybe Russia can become a little bit more palatable again. We know what's happening, but uh, I suppose the argument that Western leaders would make is that it's sort of about diplomacy and about not breaking off contact and that kind of thing. But it felt like, I'm trying to explain what I mean. I think, I think, I just think optimism is not quite it. I think what it is, is there, it felt like a push to say in the West, we accept Russia, even though we all sort of knew that it was fucked up. And then it also, in, in Russia, it, there were all these sort of new things that popped up. So well, I went in August, 2018 to just for, to visit my family, which is when the play starts. And it just felt like there were, you know, there were initiatives and there were sort of changes in the transport. And it just had become a city that was a little bit more uh, touristy basically, and a little bit more pleasant to visit. But it was all very superficial. Like that that's the thing. I don't think anyone in Moscow or Russia, and I think also most people who are well educated in the West sort of still understood what was happening, but there was this sort of sort of slight, slight shine on it, if that makes sense. And that's really the, the feeling that I found a bit odd. <laughs> and that I wanted to start off with the feeling that okay, the World Cup has just happened. It's been a great success, really, but ultimately these people are still living in the same conditions and Putin's still doing the same stuff, and we know he's still doing the same stuff. And so what's that sort of environment? There's something quite, that contradiction is quite interesting. I mean, it's, it's strange to say, because obviously there was the Olympics as well there, wasn't there? In, yeah. I don't think when the Olympics was now, a couple of years before, that the Winter Olympics, oh, Sochi, wasn't there? And then, yeah, and then sort of the World Cup. And it is weird, and say Qatar's probably an interesting sort of comparison, isn't it? In that uh, we all know there was, we, you know, yeah. we all complained about Qatar, but we all watched the football. We all got up, and by the end of it, it's like, oh, it wasn't that bad anyway. And, Maybe, yeah, I can see the sort of same thing, isn't it, with Russia? That by the end of it, it's like, well, actually, it wasn't as bad as it t- we thought it was going to be. So they're actually not, they're not that bad. And it's a strange, it's almost, yeah. And, and I think, and I think that's, you know, I think the UK in particular has a lot to answer for in terms of where we've got to today because London, you know, made fair, like that's, that's a huge, the UK is a huge home to a lot of Russian oligarchs, it's, you know, in terms of the sort of the laundries cleaning the money. So I think that event was quite important in sort of normalizing Russia a little bit. And I mean, I'm not an expert on Russian politics, but feels like the West slightly underestimated, well, they did underestimate Putin in terms of the, the you know, the war in Ukraine and, and just thinking about, okay, how was the World Cup a part of that? I mean, it's not, it's the setting of the play. And I think that feeling and that contradiction and that atmosphere is part of the play. I don't talk about it a lot explicitly, but it's, it's definitely the world that we're sort of entering. What's it like now for you, obviously, if you've still got family in Russia? Yeah, I've still got a lot of family in Russia and that area of the world, that part of the world. And I'm still in touch with them a lot. I mean, that's that's not difficult because you could use, you know, the, you could just WhatsApp people, but I haven't been able to go back there since 2020. Obviously, COVID happened. That was quite brutal in Russia. And then... It, you know now with the situation the, the war but also just like the, the even for, you know you think it couldn't get any worse but the crackdown on on free speech and democracy on every level is just has been so brutal that it hasn't felt like a particularly wise time to go and yeah in terms of my family you know I have I have family on all sides of the sort of the I wouldn't say the debate that's simplifying it but you know I've got family members who are not anti-war let's say and family members who are very anti-war and I think a lot of that is generational and um, I think if you yeah if you, if you watch the tv and listen to the radio in Russia it's very hard not to be sucked into that it's been a very difficult few years and actually I wasn't sure when the war began whether this was the right time for this play to be on because 
ultimately it's giving a, a voice to ordinary Russians, some of whom arguably would vote for Putin, although that's not ever specified in the play. For me, that was a big sort of thing to think about and deal with. And I think the realization I came to sort of a few months after the war began in full uh, was that actually this is exactly the time to sort of try and understand how we got here and try and have that conversation. If we just shut that down, we're just doing a massive disservice to, you know, everything that's happening, but also like the, pe the people in Russia who are effectively stuck there. You can't really leave, you know, um, you, you have very limited options. And that's sort of one of the things that the play deals with. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a really hard few years. And I don't I don't think it, there's any, <laughs> any uh, hope of it changing soon. That's a very long and depressing answer to your question, but mm. no, no, no. It's just a bit. It's, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? So, because I mean, obviously, we you know, we we have a opinion now of Russia here, and we see all the news reports about you know what goes on inside Russia. But you never, you know, as, as you say, there's a lot of media manipulation on both sides. So I always wonder what it's like inside Russia, because I mean, you hear about you know that Russia is very pro-war, but I always wonder how. You know how much that is true and how much is that sort of media manipulation but yeah i don't i don't know and i don't i it's a really tricky one i think i think it's so hard to judge that because it's not a country that is obviously um a democracy where people can if they are anti-war they literally cannot say that mm. otherwise they get killed or they get jailed so it's sort of i don't i don't even know how you would measure that and i also don't even know if a lot of people know i think I think a lot of people in Russia feel that the West, there's a misunderstanding in the West of them, which I think is probably true. And it's just how far they take that to justify actions, right? And how far they buy into the crap that the Kremlin feeds them. But I feel that for me, it's like slightly, I guess it's not as much a question of media man manipulation, sorry, as much as it is, I just don't think that's the focus of the media in terms of ordinary Russian people. I think mm. that the focus is very much on politicians, the oligarchs, the spies, the poisonings, those things, and those things are a huge part of Russia, and they are true, like, I, I, like I'm not disputing any of those things, and I think it's really important for that, you know, journalism and books and fiction and drama to be made about those things, but I just, the reason that I began writing the play is because I just felt like there was a lack of, as you say, sort of, it's just a sense of, like, what is it like on the ground, like, what does it feel like if you're just, like, a, you know, a 25-year-old guy working in a bank, or a six-year-old guy collecting debt, like what is your experience, daily experience like? And I just think that that's not, for whatever reason, just not being talked about and that sort of, that was sort of one of the reasons I began writing. Yeah, that, and I assume that's, I mean, let's face it, we can all argue it's similar in this country at the moment. There's a massive separation between what's going on at politics and what the normal person probably would think. And, exactly. you know, there, there are extremes at the moment, isn't there? Um, I mean, is this your, is this your aim with a play to, to, to present the Russian people in a slightly different sort of um, light? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I have sort of an agenda with it or a sort of thing I'm arguing for. I feel that it's just, it's just trying to, I suppose, like colour them in a little bit more mm -hmm. because I think that we see Russia as a sort of big, bad, quite, se quite sexy in how bad it is place. You know, there's a sort of obsession in the UK and fascination with Russia, but there's not really, a, and, and I play with that in the play, you know, I sort of reference that, but there's not really a, <laughs> a move to sort of try and understand or put yourself in the shoes of, you know, Russian people and also just like a, a mentality that isn't a Western democratic mentality. You know, there are other countries in the East that I'm, I'm sure would sort of, fit into that as well 
So I think for me, it's really, rather than making a point about Russian people, sort of an argument about them, it's just purely trying to, yeah, fill in some of those gaps and just um, create full, a sense of a full person, if that makes sense, sort of a mm. full, real, complicated, contradictory person who we can maybe not agree with, but we can at least empathize with and we can have a better sense of how they've got to where they are. Like that's that's the aim. And I think that that's what all, to me, that's what all good drama should do. I think it should be about all those gray areas and all those contradictions. And there are definitely lots of those in Russia and <laughs> in Russian people. You won the Theatre 503 International Playwright Award, which I think is, I, I, I love that award for just the sheer fact that, I mean, Theatre 503 is what, 54 seats? 54 yeah, I seats, think I think, isn't 60, it? 60, maybe. Yeah, it's around that. Just maybe if you squeeze up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And yeah, it, it does this um, award every other year, which gets entries from literally every corner of the world. That, how important was that award to you, to this play? Yeah, I think it was really nice in terms of, as I've mentioned, the feeling that, you know, I had a hesitancy in actually even entering to the award because of the current political climate and what the play is about. And so, to be honest, the most, um, the, 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 the nicest part of winning the award is the sort of validation that, yes, this is still an important piece and we should still be talking about this, and this will see the light of day, despite it, I wouldn't say being controversial, but it, it not being the easiest thing to talk about. So that's been lovely. And then and then it's just obviously just practically, it means that it gets production, it means that it gets published, it means that that's sort of all put into motion, which is really wonderful for me. And it also means that people know about it and they're talking about it and it has that exposure. So it's just been, yeah, it's been a really lovely experience. And it's been a bit of a whirlwind experience as well, because it only, it only won the award, I think, five or six months ago. And so it's actually been a very short period of time um, between the award and the production. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been a lot. But no, really, really delighted and sort of grateful, really, to have won it. What did it encourage you to enter it then? Because, I mean, you've got an association with 503, haven't you? Because you've directed there before. Did you direct there? Um, no, I was <clears> – <throat> I've done some sort of little workshops and things there, but I was associate director on a show called Rotterdam which began life there in 2015. Mm, and then I worked on it for about four years because it, it it was very successful and sort of went from venue to venue. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, not really. Yeah, I, I know the venue, but the new, it's a new team and sort of slightly, slightly different approach, but uh, always really loved the venue and knew that they were sort of one of the centers for new writing and theater in, in the UK. And it just felt like, because this is a, because of what this play is about and sort of my background for an international playwriting award, it felt like the right fit for this and just a really good opportunity to yeah get it get it on stage. And um, this is I mean this is your debut full length play, yeah. Yeah, it's my first play, not even full length. It's the, yeah, <laughs> for the first play I've written. Sort of, I did sort of workshopping and devising mm. stuff and sometimes write stuff for that, but it's I really worked as a director. And then I moved into TV, and then this is my first play. So, yeah, that's good. Is this giving you the urge to write more? Do you think you'll... I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, hope, I, hope, I hope I'll do more of it. I've got some stuff I'm working on. I think, as I said earlier, I think it's sort of... I think, I think it depends on the project, what I would like to do on it. So I think I'm not as concerned, I suppose, about what the role would be on it. I think being the writer or the director, the creator of it is ultimately the goal. But I, yeah, I'm, I think for me, it's just like, what does the story require and what can I add to it? And should it be TV? Should it be film? Should it be theatre? 
I'm not sure. And so I'm sort of got a few little things on the go that I suppose put in different directions. Um, but yeah, it's definitely given me, I mean, I started writing it because I wanted to tell this story, not because I wanted to write a play per se. And so writing it and going through the redrafting process and the rehearsal process and all the, all the kind of the writer journey that I've seen and worked with, but I've never actually experienced myself has been lovely. And yeah, I hope, I hope I'll do it again, but we'll see <laughs> now you're writing and directing this can i just quickly brief touch on that what i mean was it an easy decision you always go direct this i think for this play yeah it was always i i i didn't i think in answer you know you asked me about <clears throat> what do you see your role being on future projects as a writer or director i think this really speaks to that in that like i want to tell the story i wanted to tell it as a writer director i was never really thinking about those lines i wrote drafts of scenes and then i workshop them as a director so it was always the lines were always a little bit blurred and I think in a way uh with this play you know I wrote I wrote a show rather than writing a play if that makes sense like I always had envisioned it as a as a very specific style of piece and the specific process as well in terms of how I wanted to kind of collaborate and make it and so it sort of just felt like when we came to having a discussion about who would direct it I would be removing myself from it rather than adding myself to it if that makes sense I'd always sort of see my role in it as a bit of a hybrid um, and I think very particular to this play, I think there are, you know, there are lots of shows where that isn't the case. And hopefully things that I will write or direct, I won't want to do the other thing. But for this, it just, it made a lot of sense, I think. And what's been great is that I've, I've been working with um, Sam, who's the Associate Director and Movement Director, who's been on the piece for a few years. So he understands it well, he knows how I work. And it means that it's not just me in a sort of a, a bubble <laughs> doing this thing that I, you know, I know well, but no one else does. It's sort of been quite, it's actually been a very collaborative process, weirdly. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been, a, it's been lovely, but it, it felt like the right choice for this day. <laughs> Now, just just to wrap things up, then, we're running quickly out of time here. Um, yeah, last chance. Then. Let's let's go back to the play for one last chance. A quick reason why then should we be coming down to Theatre Five Hundred Three from the twenty first of November to the 9th of December to see a woman walks into a bar. Uh, walks a woman walks <laughs> into a bar. Very different play. <laughs> different yeah, joke. <laughs> um, I'll write that one next. That'll be the uh, sequel. Yeah, I think in terms of why people might want to come along, I think if you have an interest in Russia and in that world then it will probably appeal to you but ultimately what we're trying to achieve is just a really entertaining energetic playful immediate kind of two hours of really theatrical theater you know um and so i think if you if you want to come and have some fun with that please do i will say we are sold out for our first week and it is selling quite quickly so do jump on it <laughs> if you want to mm -hmm. come but um yeah i think i, I don't know people 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 can have all their reasons for coming and it would be lovely to see them there but no pressure <laughs> it is and theater fire free is always a lovely place to go so i will always highly recommend people go there and this award has pulled up some fantastic shows over the years so i'm sure this is going to be another one in a long line of great successes roxy it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time say so we'll put all the links up on the website if, if people want to get booking quickly for tickets as, as roxy said getting quick before they sell out um thank you so much been lovely to talk to you thanks rob be lovely to chat thanks so much for listening and don't forget to share our podcast if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode